video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch. Hello, when you want my name's Justin LeClue, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. And let's jump right in. The cult section, which is the big release of horror fans everywhere this year, Friday the 13th. The complete box set. And there's no errors with this disc, Mark. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, they spent months and months getting this set together, quality checking it. There's definitely no problem with this. If, set. if people haven't heard, there's some very teensy errors that you can re- you can um, ask for replacement discs, and the errors are uh, there's a bit of gore missing from Jason Goes to Hell. There's a sound error on Jason X, and there is uh, 3D is wrong in uh, Jason 3D for one little part of the movie. For like the opening credits, right? Who would request a disc for those little errors? This guy! Many, many people. Yeah, I'm going to do it too, even though I don't have the capability to watch it in 3D. Yeah. (laughs) I've already watched Jason Goes to Hell, and I think I spotted where that gore was missing, and I was like, eh, who cares? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then the sound issue on Jason X is like, whatever. I I don't really care. Unless it's like a whole scene missing, which I don't think it is uh, i don't think so i mean i'll probably get the replacement disc too i just haven't done it yet but like people are really mad about this <laughs> like collectors are super mad yeah I, mean, I follow a few collector groups on facebook and stuff and people are so mad that they're like how could they let this happen they they don't quality check their discs they and show factory to their credit has been really nice and great They've about been this really fast on it the system is so easy to order new discs oh man yeah it's all like really fast they apologized they took responsibility for it they said it was human error and yet people are just so mad at them it's hilarious but actually a new development in this case too is that um there was news coming out that from shout factory or through i think unobstructed view through shout factory that the disc glitches did not affect any of the canadian Really? Copies. So I ordered some, even no, no, though no, no. that. Well, but hold on. But then there were so many comments on this being like, uh, "But I, I'm in Canada and I have these issues." And there's like hundreds of people that are like, "No, this is wrong." I think Shout Factory is just trying to like get around sending discs to Canada or something. <laughs> I don't think that's true. But... but it's a weird thing. Like, why would it not affect the Canadian product? Right? It all like showed up at the same time. Like, it's not a different author. It's probably the same like authoring file. So yeah. I think if you're in Canada, you might still want to grab these discs because you might still have some issues or you may just not care because they're such like little things that you wouldn't notice and it's on like jason x which i personally don't really care about but i know you're a fan of (laughs) the fact that it looks like an episode of andromeda the kevin sorbo show you know what i do like that vibe yeah i like the cheap sci-fi tv sci-fi vibe um, and I love David Cronenberg in it, but yeah, I don't know. It just it just drags a bit for me. It drags a little bit compared to like four, where nothing happens in the middle, and part eight. I enjoy every single Friday the Thirteenth movies. You know, it's weird with like horror franchises is that there's always something like when you watch them all in a row, you're like, oh, this stuff is different from this stuff. Like even the Halloween movies, I like all of them. Even part five. Yeah, that's right. You heard yeah, me. Yeah, I, I don't know if I share your love on the Halloween series, but <laughs> yeah, well, you're wrong. Uh, if you like the Jason, you can also like the Halloween. They're just different flavors of the same ice the cream. The Friday the 13th series is the only slasher movie series that I like. I enjoy every single one of them. And I can't say that with the Halloweens or the Nightmare on Elm Street or like any other one. Just for me. Just personal taste. Friday the 13th, it just is always fun. The one that I have the most issue with 
other than part four, which I think is dun 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 overrated. Like people love part four. And I want to take that away from them. I would agree that it's over a little overrated. But yeah. like it has the same problem all of Joseph Zito's movies have, like Red Scorpion and The Prowler. Is it's just dead right in the middle though, where like nothing is happening. That's fair. That's fair. And part eight, I love the climax where it's Carrie versus Jason. So good. It really suffers from having the gore cut out of it. Isn't that part seven? Part seven, right. Part eight is part eight Jason is Manhattan. Takes Manhattan, which I do like. Which is great, yeah. Yeah, which is really fun. Which Jason is takes so much fun. I feel like we've talked about these movies before on this podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, we talked about it in, in the podcast where we willed this box into existence, right? I feel like we talked at length about I these. would say the only thing missing from this box is the Camp Crystal Lake Memories uh, documentary, which I don't know why it's not included. Yeah, I really thought that would be a part of this, and it's kind of unfortunate it's not. I'm just happy all these movies are in one set together again. I know it briefly no more happened this before. I know, like... I know, just that this is it. And I thought we were going to be sold out of these first day, but we still have copies here at the store, so... Come and get them, please! They have come too and get many! Them. Yeah, because... Once we sell out, I don't think we're going to get any more. Like we're, we, oh, do you think that's we were it? only allowed to place our initial order. We couldn't top it up after. And we're, we haven't, at least so far, haven't been able to reorder any. So they've told us that this is kind of like a one and done deal. So I don't know if this is just they worked out the rights issues between Paramount and Warner Brothers for like just this one print of this set. And then like that's it. it it's interesting. Friday the 13th seems bigger than it's ever been before now with the release of this set like i feel like people who never really were interested in it before are watching them now like it's just everybody's talking about friday the 13th again so it almost feels like another installment is going to happen at some point but i guess if they have to figure out the rights yeah they just got to figure out the rights i mean it's been a decade now over a decade since the last friday the 13th movie right? they just couldn't get their shit together they had scripts they were ready to go some of them were months away and then executives chain or decided oh we don't want to do this like david bruckner was supposed to direct a friday the 13th movie and they were like ready to go and then it just fell through and there was a found footage version that was kicking around for a little while as well yeah i heard about that so, yeah. yeah i don't know why the hell they couldn't get friday the 13th movies for a while there was one every year it was a glorious i wish i could have grown up with them in the 80s like as a teenager going to see them every single year i feel like that would have been so much fun i wish there were still horror franchises every year you know what i regret that i was too young to see saw every year because those films I saw the first and the second one, but I watched them all with my friends recently, and they, the continuity in them is insane. It's crazy, yeah. <laughs> like, it's crazy. It is like, you have to watch all of them before watching the next one, or it will make no sense to you. <laughs> I've only ever seen the first four of those, but I saw those every year in theaters when they came out. So that was, I guess, kind of like my Friday the 13th, but... I didn't get the same enjoyment out of the Saw movie. I really liked the first two, but then after that, it just kind of dropped off. I just didn't really care. I don't know if it would have worked if there would have been that buildup of, like, I have to wait a year for the next one. But, man, watching them all in a row, ugh, what joy there was. I keep meaning to go back and binge them like that because, yeah, I feel like you're right. It's better Steven that Steven Dorff, the star of the Sevens one? <laughs> oh, so good. Well, the new one's coming out at some point, right? I guess uh, I can catch no, up No, thank that. you. <laughs> no, not, not feeling <laughs> no. that. No. You know, I love Darren Lynn Bowsman as like a filmmaker and as a like a speaker, him talking about his movies, the movies themselves. Yeah, not so good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I saw Abattoir. I saw St. Agatha. He has a new one that just came out as well. Right. Like, ooh, I bought 
St. Agatha from Made Street Video. Oh my god, jeez. Yeah, I don't think I really, I stopped with him at a certain point a long, long time ago. Repo, maybe? Yeah, I didn't really like the whole Repo genetic but, opera Yeah, thing. I mean, maybe he'll bring some of that Saw 4 magic. There's insane transitions in Saw 4. That's the best part. And yeah, that's what I love. Or anyway, Friday the 13th. I mean, if you like it, you like it. You're going to grab this box set. Come on. Come on, guys. It's great. And if you miss out on it, if you don't get it and you miss out, you're going to regret it. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, you want that Halloween box set? Good luck. Yeah, wonder... that's not around anymore. So, which was another rights nightmare too, right? Oh, so, yeah, I mean... because of Miramax and stuff like that. I'm looking on uh, Halloween box set. Man, Amazon doesn't even list it? That's very surprising. No, I think it's like that rare now, honestly. Oh, yeah. Even the non-special edition, like the one that did, like, it goes for $369 now. Ooh, I yeah, remember they were crazy. like, H&V couldn't get rid of those box sets. Like, I walked in months later and yeah, picked one up. <laughs> we had it for, like, 50, 60 bucks when it was still, like, readily available. It wasn't well, too bad. It's a, it's a whole different <laughs> landscape now. So, moving on, uh, Scream Factory has other releases like Motel Hell. Yeah, which they've released before. <laughs> and... I don't know. This was never one of my favorites, but it does star Rory Calhoun in case you want to. <laughs> all you Rory Calhoun heads out there. Yeah, a bunch of, they all look like little Rory Calhouns, <laughs> where as the writer of that Simpsons joke said, don't think too hard about it. We just picked a name. It doesn't really mean anything. Uh, you know, I've never actually seen this movie, I have to admit, but yeah, I should. I've always meant to catch up with it. Uh, and Terror in the Isle. This is like a famous documentary that I've never seen. Yeah. Isn't it just kind of like a clip show of like. Yeah. It was included on, like, Halloween 2 DVD at one point, or maybe Halloween yeah. 1. Uh, but yeah, people have real nostalgia for this. I do not. But if you do, pick it up. Ooh, speaking of nostalgia, look what's up next. It's Rats. I feel like we've talked about Kevin Smith a lot recently on this podcast. Listen, we're the right age. We were Kevin Smith fans. But there's no way around it. I loved Mallrats when I was a kid because it was a Kevin Smith movie that everybody hated except for Kevin Smith's fans. Yeah, exactly. No, Mallrats was always a favorite. I've probably watched it. I watched it countless times as a teenager, but I don't think I've seen it in like at least a decade now or more. So uh, I think the last time I watched it when there was like a special edition DVD that came right. out. Right. Yeah. So it's been a while. Well, Arrow's done a really nice job with this and these things are flying off the shelves. I don't think we ever sold a copy of Mallrats on Blu-ray before, like just the regular Blu-ray. But now that Arrow's put their stamp on it, um, people can't get enough of this. We've, we just can't keep this on the shelf. What? Other special features could they include? I'm looking here. It's all stuff that's been on previous, like, releases. Actually, there's some new interviews. I think people just like the packaging. Like, it's got really nice, like, cartoon artwork on the front and everything. I just think it's, like, a really attractive package. And, I mean, considering how well Jay and Silent Bob reboot did for us earlier this year, the Kevin Smith fans, they do not stop with their love for Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. Pick up Mallrats. No, he's a great, he's cool. He's always going to be an inspiration I to me. I will stick with my DVD. I think I'm good. There's a lot of special features on that. Because <laughs> this is technically the third time a special edition of this has come out because it was the original DVD, which was packed. Then there was a second DVD that had extra features. And now there's this one as well. <laughs> yep. So. Where's my vulgar special edition? That's what I want. Or uh, drawing flies and big helium dogs. Yeah, I'm sure Arrow will get right on those next. 
All right, so moving on, we're going to the Japanese sci-fi. Warning from space, the one about the big starfish with creepy eyes. I've never seen this one. You know what? I watched this one uh, this week because I'd always wanted to see this just based on the fact that they were giant starfish. (laughs) And they're really just like people. It's hilarious because they're just people in like cotton starfish costumes which looks so terrible and they just have to stand there with their arms out like a starfish to like hold the fabric up <laughs> you know what though there is not enough of the starfish in this of movie they're only not. In, there never is they're in only these in the movies. movie for like two scenes because then they send because they try and go down to earth to warn earth of an impending meteor or whatever something like that but everybody's scared of them because like who wouldn't be scared of a giant starfish with one eye even though they look really cute to me but so anyways then they they transform themselves into humans kind of kind of like in mars attacks where they send down like the one is like a lady and so that yeah so you're basically just watching actors play these aliens so i was a little disappointed by the lack of starfish otherwise it's just kind of like your standard post godzilla like 50s japanese sci-fi you know who you are if you already bought this i'm sure (laughs) otherwise i feel like we're not selling you on this has been in the public domain for years so there's been a lot of like really crappy dvd copies of this floating around out there but this is i think the first official release of this that's been restored it's been in the public domain there's no way it's in the public domain. it is yeah look it up on imdb there's a whole like thing about how it was um how it fell into the public domain and everything but yeah this has been on dvd from like alpha video and all these public domain copies uh companies and like really crappy editions so it hasn't really been restored or anything wait it hasn't been restored on the aero disc no it has been this is the first time it's been restored but I guess maybe the print they were using had some damage because there's definitely some scenes in it that look sort of like uh, color, like the colors off and there's like some print damage. But it looks better than I'm sure it ever has before. So moving on to stuff that we can recommend. <laughs> I'm joking. It's another Ultraman series. <laughs> yeah. Who are you kidding? <laughs> Do you know anything about this one? No, I don't. I was looking it up as you we were talking about Warning from Space. It's called Ultraman RB the series. It's a newer one. It came out in 2018. I don't know anything about it. I just want Ultraman Mega Monster Galaxy to come out, the movie, and they haven't gotten to it yet. I actually don't know what series it's part of. Maybe it's already come by and I missed it. Who knows? Don't ask me. I have no fucking clue. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on. We have other stuff I don't know about. It's a sci-fi four pack from BCI. Featuring Time Warp, The Killing at Outpost Zeta, Life Pod, and Star Odyssey, which all feel like fake movies. <laughs> I feel like these are public domain films here, too, but I don't know. They're calling this the Galaxy One Collection. I don't know if any of these movies have any connection to each other or what, but I mean, it's a pretty attractive package if you just want some like cheesy old sci-fi trash. And we also have another VCI uh, double pack, the Edgar Allan Poe heartquaking double feature what a name yeah so this features two uh, movies that i've never heard of yeah it's two very obscure adaptations of the telltale heart from one from 1960 and one called legend of horror from 1971 but yeah they're both based on the telltale heart both have little to no information online if you try and look them up so i don't know i can't tell you much about these oh wait 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 so legend of horror this one was cobbled together from an Argentinian Edgar Allan Poe adaptation. I remember reading about this. Ah, and okay. then they shot wraparound footage. And then maybe the Telltale Heart is the original film? Oh, I don't know, I man. I think so, but it doesn't have much info. It looks pretty obscure. I don't... Mm. The original film, uh, the Ar- Argentinian film, was Obras Monstra del Terror, 
which I assume they did not include on this disc. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> All right, so moving on. Uh, we're still in public domain land. Uh, La Man, this is a whole public domain section. <laughs> yeah, you know, VCI and Cheesy Flicks, who is the next, you know, company we're going to be talking about. I think every month or so or two, they just figure they need to put something out. So they uh, <laughs> scour the internet. Uh, we got Dr. Jekyll versus the Werewolf. This is a Paul Nashy film. Uh, I guess it's in the public domain. So many companies have been doing Paul Nashy films, though. It's weird that Cheesy Flicks is like, oh, yeah, we're here, too. It's like, wait a minute. You don't look like Mondo Macabro or Show Factory. Oh, yeah, we're the same. I thought this might be one that was on one of those two Show Factory collections, but apparently not. I, I don't see any sort of release of this from either Shout or Mondo Macabro, so... I mean, I can sense that maybe one of those companies will put this out in official release at some point because this is just a DVD. But, you know, if you really want to see it now and you don't really care about the quality so much. Yeah, it probably looks like turd, though. <laughs> probably looks like turd, as all of Cheesy Flicks titles do. <laughs> How many people do you think work at Cheesy Flicks? Is it like one guy? Probably like, just one per- exactly one person, probably. And he's like, he, he doesn't care about the product he's putting out, right? Like, he finds some shitty GVHS copy of something. I mean, it's all public domain, yeah, and he, like, charges, like, what, ten bucks for it, probably? So. Hey, he? It could be a she that's trying to swindle all these people. It could be, it could be, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so moving on, we have Hollywood Vice Squad. And this is interesting because it's being put out by the Mysterious Liberation Hall. <laughs> I love talking about Liberation Hall. And it's full screen, too, it looks like. So. Wait, is this in public domain as well? What is going on? We, we got to figure out something. We got to figure out what's going on with Liberation Hall because I don't know who these the people are. The great mystery of Bay Street Video I, uh, I, Please contact us, Liberation Hall. We're fascinated to know who you are. Because they started, I guess, if it's full screen, that sounds like it's a TV well, print. Well, I'm not sure because like it says have. four by three on the back. So I'm not sure if it means it's it's like full screen or it's just like an old window box kind of widescreen thing. I, I don't I know. I mean, they could yeah. have made it letterboxed if it's just window box. You can blow that up. Like, there's no reason. I mean, this is a Pen- Penelope Spheres film that stars Carrie Fisher, Ronnie Cox, Leon Isaac Kennedy, Frank Gorshin. And, you know, I would have expected someone like Shout Factory or, you know what, Scorpion to put out a movie like this. I guess not. Yeah. So this is a good question, whether this is in the public domain or not. I mean, Liberation Hall so far has been releasing a weird mix of, like, a few, like, newer kind of movies and then some, like, older stuff from the 80s. I don't know. I don't know who's working there, who's picking their stuff, or what kind of transfers they're working with, but... If anybody knows, feel free to reach out. So we also have uh, our weekly release from Sub Rosa Entertainment of a Polonia Brothers film. This time it's Nightmare Vacation. And like the previous DVDs, I believe this one is an incomplete film, so it's only an hour long. But it's got two commentary tracks and it's an old shot on VHS one, so it's still in their prime. So all you Polonia head completists like me, you got to pick it up. Did you watch this? Did you like this film? <laughs> no, I did not get a chance to watch it yet. It's sitting on my pile of to watch. I should get to it. You're just collecting all the Polonia stuff, right? Wait, am I behind? Uh, did I buy one before this that I haven't watched? No, because I think Church of the Dam was the last Polonia one, right? Was there one before that? It was Bad Magic? Oh, you? yeah, but I've seen that one recently. So I bought it out of, uh, you know, okay. my duty, but I don't need to watch it again. Oh, no, no, no. Hallucination I got as well. And I did watch that one. Right. Yeah, of course. Every month. They're a releasing lot of these one. <laughs> films uh, were included on like two disc special editions that Camp Video did, which is why they're getting like re-released. Like, so it would be like a Splatter Farm. Then there'd be like a bonus Polonia Brother film on the other one. And these are new releases, but there are new commentary tracks on them and they're very cheap as well. So, you know. Yes. Insanely cheap. 
And they're fun, you know? I think there's new cover art as well, which is nice. Yeah. They're doing the classic, like, Gold Ninja video, like a window boxing. Exactly, yeah. They're keeping it all part of the scene. It looks real nice on the shelf altogether. Yeah, it's crazy right? that the Gold Ninja video thing, I'm just, um, you know, uh, playing my own instrument here. That, like, I decided to go with colored stuff because I wanted to separate it to let people know, like, oh, this is not transfer. That's why there's color around it, to give it, like, a different, d- distinct visual yeah, look. Yeah, yeah. But no other company does that. And I wonder why, because it looks cool on the shelf. It's like a rainbow pattern. Yeah, no, I like that, too. I... I don't know. I think some companies just don't think about that at all. You know, don't think about the aesthetics. Like I recently did a creature from Black Lake and I made it red and the red looks so good. And I'm like, that's Mondo Macabro's colors. That's why they use red all the time that it looks good. It's a deep red. I like <laughs> anyway, it. Anyway, <laughs> we'll be talking about that in probably a week. Yeah, we'll be getting those in here. So we have more stuff from Unearthed who are just like jumping in full throttle like they're releasing something every two weeks big new special editions and yeah they're doing really nice special editions now Mm -hmm. and this is the untold story an infamous category three which is kind of like an x rating from hong kong this one stars anthony wong and is directed by the king of cat three movies herman yao it's famously uh based on a true story uh about a guy who killed the owners of a restaurant and cooked them into buns and fed them to people it's uh a fun movie because it's kind of like gross and like uncomfortable. It's kind of, it's a like true crime police procedural with really goofy comedy stuff. And then suddenly in the last 10 minutes, that's what the film is famous for. Where he like kills a family. He like chops off a kid's head, like blood is splattering everywhere. It's so gross. Like it's all about the climax of the movie. And this uh, ports over some commentaries that were done on a previous DVD release. Did Unearthed do the first release or was that Media Blasters? No, actually the first DVD release, at least that we had here, was from a company called Tai Seng. That's right, Tai Seng. They did a lot of, um, I wonder how Unearthed got the rights for it. I'm not sure because, yeah, Ta- the Tai Seng release was actually pretty decent for um, for one of their releases. They didn't really do a ton on all their stuff, but uh, that's been out of print for years. So maybe it's just been up for grabs and I don't know. I mean, this is perfectly in unearth's wheelhouse as they always go like the gorier the better for them and i believe it's a new transfer there's a new commentary track there's a documentary on category three movies feature length documentary included as a bonus feature as well so this is like you know this movie i kind of like it's not really my type of film but i bought it because it's so many special features and you know it's a classic so if i'm gonna rewatch i'm gonna rewatch it like that i'm definitely gonna enjoy the special features they got slip covers now we know all you slip cover freaks out there you know what's funny (laughs) of like arrow saying you know we have limited slip covers uh mvd has a new release and it's new blood i thought this was supposed to be an mvd rewind title i thought so too but maybe they downgraded it (laughs) yeah i think you're right um you're you've seen this movie though right a long time ago so this follows us in the like guy richie-esque um crime stuff that was coming out of england around like 1999 it's not great i remember finding it interesting and so i picked this up out of like nostalgia's sake but they did do new special features there's a new interview with the director there's an old commentary that used to be on a uk disc and i believe they probably got whatever new high def transfers around it has a novelty of starring carrie ann moss i believe the same year the matrix and came i out. also believe this was i haven't seen this but i was looking it up this was all shot in toronto ontario apparently it was yeah, because apparently there's something about the lead actor, Nick Moran, who I guess is British, was like denied entry to Canada for a while because he had some like outstanding 
warrant or something for <laughs> or he had some criminal record or something so it was like this whole thing but apparently this was all shot in toronto so i'm kind of curious to check it out just based on that just to see the uh toronto uh landscapes i mean i don't think it's set in toronto or anything but uh know. but you know it takes place mostly on a farm that's what i remember and is mvd do they have a new pricing structure because this was 20 bucks which is cheap for an MVD title. This one's really cheap, yeah. Well, we're retailing it for, I think, yeah, the Blu-ray's like yeah, $16.95. So. Tax. Uh, I think it's because, well, their Rewind stuff is more expensive. So I think I think this is the standard price for their just kind of uh, like... I mean, Roadhouse 2 wasn't that cheap because I would have picked it up if it was. I remember it being more expensive. That's true. But at that time, we weren't... I don't think we were going direct uh... with MVD, so we had higher pricing. So I think now that's what it would be, yeah. We started our relationship here with MVD a couple years ago before that we were getting them through another supplier which so then it was kind of adding a couple bucks and onto that this is part of their marquee collection if anybody was wondering which is essentially their kino studio classics but man if they keep putting new special features on films they got my interest so keep at it MVD. i like how you brought up roadhouse 2 though as the example <laughs> <laughs> if there was a commentary on roadhouse 2 i would have been there i've been like oh yeah sign me up man. that movie's hilarious <laughs> That one has uh, fun fight scenes that are completely out of uh, context with the previous Roadhouse because they were choreographed by J.J. Perry, who did John Wick 2 recently. I love how it's also just copying like lines and scenes verbatim from Roadhouse. Too funny. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to classics, Criterion is putting out a very little scene film called Claudine uh, about a single mother in New York City who endures an exhausting commute to the suburbs where she works as a maid for a wealthy family. But then uh, in one carefully tended white community she meets rob a charismatic but irresponsible garbage collector romance quickly ensues but claudine doubts that her relationship is good for her six children and rupert despite his good nature is reluctant to take on fatherhood now you can't tell from that premise for some weird reason but this is actually a story about black people even though it's directed by a white yeah. guy. Yeah. No, it's strange. I had honestly never even heard of this film before uh, this release was announced. Uh, it was on DVD before uh, from Fox, I believe. And we never even had that in the store as like a rental or a sale item or anything. Um, so I'm really intrigued to check this out. Uh, it's been selling fairly well. So I guess there are some people that are at least curious about this. Um, but yeah, I can't say like in John Barry – I don't know. I mean, as a director, there's not a ton of noteworthy stuff on his resume. So, yeah, like Tamango, if anybody's a fan of that. The Bad News Bears go to Japan. I've never seen a Bad News Bear movie past the first one. I've never even seen the first one. I've only seen the remake. There you go. I've only seen the remake. I was say, you yeah. saw the Richard Linklater version. Yeah, I've seen the Richard Linklater one. That's it. <laughs> so I'm glad Criterion is taking chances on, like, not famous movies. This is what I want Criterion to do. This is Arrow territory recently, but I'm glad uh, Criterion's stepping up. So we also have some UHD releases. District 9. It's a shame Neil Blomkamp never made a movie after this one, even though that it does have some problematic racist stuff in it. Yeah, I never liked this movie, honestly. When Even when I first saw it, I just I found it. I know, I know. I'm such a contrarian. I don't know. I just found it boring. I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't work for me. Uh, we also have Requiem for a Dream. You definitely like oh, this movie, Oh, this was right? like my favorite movie of all time when I was thir 13 years old. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I mean, let's get, I'm going to, as, as much of a douchebag as Darren Aronofsky is these days, I can't deny he was super influential to me as a young filmmaker. Pi- Did you read that great um, interview with John Carpenter that's been making the rounds where he disses Darren no, Aronofsky? No, I've been hearing about it. I have yet to sit He's down like, and watch ah, it, though. He's like, Eli Ross with his Hollywood hair and Darren Aronofsky, who doesn't even seem to like horror movies at the Masters of Horror dinner. <laughs> that's too funny. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I agree with all the criticism of Darren Aronofsky, even though I, I can't say I didn't enjoy the experience of something like, you know, Mother when I saw it the first time, but it's not movie. It's not really a movie I hold in that high regard. But his early stuff when I was getting into film, when I wanted to be a filmmaker as a young as a as a young man, uh, Pi was like a huge deal to me. I really loved that. Oh, yeah, film. I love Pi. His his uh, diary that he wrote, uh, you can get was the Pi screenplay. It's very good. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool. And it's just like it was totally that like, you know, do it yourself on the streets kind of movie that really yeah inspires you to be a filmmaker. And then Requiem for a Dream was just awesome when I was a teenager. I mean, I can't I haven't said see I can't say I've seen it in. Probably since I was a teenager, so but I definitely watched it several on what times. What side did you come down on with the fountain? I I saw the fountain but the first year I went to the Toronto International Film Festival. I had to go see it, and when it finished, the reception people were walking out. Everybody was talking about how much they hated it. The reception was terrible, and I'm like looking around, I'm like. I don't know. I thought it was pretty good, I have to say. <laughs> I, you know, when a director gets too big for his britches is when they stop doing audio commentary tracks. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is like where I stand. Is like where they're like, I don't really care about, you know, people watching my movies or learning anything about it. Just about the art now. It's about making something important. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, yeah, basically. Darren Aronofsky released a commentary for The Fountain online because he said the DVD company wouldn't, like, let him put it on. It's crazy. I mean, Darren Aronofsky loves to talk about himself and his own movies, so... Yeah, it's weird that he's not... None of his films have been released by Criterion or anything like that. I wonder what's going on there. I'm sure he'd love Mother to come out in a Criterion release if he could swing that. <laughs> he'd put those prayer cards in it and everything. <laughs> yes! I want DVD to start doing more. Uh, what I was looking into this this way, it's called feelies. Like, video uh, computer games used to come with some, specifically Infocom games. There'd be like, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You get like a little towel or a little guide with it or all this other stuff. That's what uh, Severin is doing a lot. It's like, get a little doll and a t-shirt and this and that. Uh, we also have Jack and the Beanstalk coming uh, out from VCI. Never seen this one, 1952. Yeah, this is a, I guess it's an Abbott and Costello movie. Bef- well, not like an official Abbott and Costello movie, I guess. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's weird. So they're in it, they're but in not it, as their But it's, they're just credited as like, but Abbott, and, you know. But I think uh, this has never been available in a very good transfer at all. This might be a public domain type film too, but apparently they've restored this in 4K. So So we also have Navajo being released by Kit Parker. A young Navajo Indian boy is caught up in the conflict of cultures where he rejects a white man's school, told in a semi-documentary style. I looked this up. I couldn't find one review on Letterboxd. Very surprised. Yeah, didn't this win uh, Best Documentary at the Oscars? I think that's what they're claiming on the uh, packaging, or at least it was nominated. Apparently, it was a big deal at the time. Okay, it was nominated. So it was nominated for Best Documentary that year. I'm not sure what the other nominations were. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely – it'd be. Int- I'm interested to watch this one because I do like those kind of like docu-fiction hybrids. I would be really interested to see how authentic this actually is and how much of it is like kind of staged or not. But 
It's never been available before, so it's definitely a curiosity. We also have Fahrenheit 9-11 right in time for the elections of the United States. Which has never been on Blu-ray before, so... (laughs) Wow. Not that anybody was asking for it on Blu-ray, but... I mean, Criterion put out Bowling for Columbine recently. All right, and now we enter the Mark Hansen stretch of the classic section, because I feel like you've probably seen some of these movies. First up, Delirious, Steve Buscemi, Michael Pitt, Alison Lohman, from the director of Living in Oblivion, Tom DeSillo. Ever see this one? I did. You know me too well. (laughs) I I really like this film, and I really like Tom DeSillo too. Uh, I've liked all of his films. This was actually the last film he made, and it was about 15 years ago now. Uh, It's a really fun movie about like paparazzi in new york steve buscemi plays a real Ooh, sleazy how does it compare to the mel gibson executive produced paparazzi oh well it's not quite <laughs> as entertaining as that that that's a real guilty pleasure of mine but uh but though no, this one's a lot of fun and the big thing with this is uh apparently i didn't even know this but apparently uh the studio or i guess the producers made tom DeCillo cut a few things here and there before the release so he wasn't totally happy with it so this apparently restores his complete director's cut so if you are a fan of the movie and want to see it just as he intended here it is uh and there's new commentary on it from him on the director's cut i think they do include the theatrical version as well so they definitely got some stuff on there so it's uh not a bad we also have from mill creek uh baffling double pack of imaginary crimes and silent falls uh imaginary crimes harvey cartel is a recently widowed small-time hustler struggles to raise his two teenage daughters on his own and still make a dishonest living in 1950s indiana while silent fall is bruce beresford directed richard dreyfus linda hamilton john lisco thriller which one of these have you seen you know what i've seen neither of these two Well, we'll talk about the next one, but I think the the reason these releases are coming out and seem so baffling is I believe um, <laughs> Mill Creek got the rights to the Morgan Creek catalog, which did a lot of movies. You know, they were responsible for Rob because they did Battlefield Earth, too, which they put out. And that is why these two films are together. And the next triple bill we're going to talk about are all from Morgan Creek as well. Probably the nadir of Morgan, Morgan Creek's catalog. We've got a triple bill of Diabolique, the 1996 remake with Sharon Stone, uh, Isabella Johnny, and Chaz Palminteri. Incognito with uh, Jason, the much forgotten Jason Patrick art dealer thriller. <laughs> and... The In Crowd, which was directed by Mary Lambert um, in the early 2000s uh, as kind of trying to be like a hip turn of the millennium youth thriller. Oh, man, I felt so bad for Mary Lambert. I saw her on Twitter recently, like, asking for jobs, like, replying to people, being like, I'm available. Yeah, she doesn't get much work. In it. I remember watching the third Urban Legends movie a couple years ago and forgetting that she actually directed that, too. But I think that was maybe the last, like, semi-noteworthy thing she was attached to. Uh, but these movies, so I saw the in crowd when I was a kid and it's pretty terrible. It's about rich kids at a, at a country club and, you know, they're scheming and, you know, murder happens. It's, it's pretty boring. Yeah. The other two I had never seen until this week when I sampled both, but I can't say I got through either of them because they're both terrible. Uh, Diabolique is just, I mean, the original Diabolique is an obvious classic. This one just tries to do the same thing 
in a bland American way, and it is just terrible. I watched about half an hour of this movie and then just turned it off because I just, I mean, you know where it's going to go because it's exactly the same movie and it's just terribly made. And poor Isabella Janney. I mean, I don't know if she's just like out of her element, like with the English dialogue or something. Like, I like her a lot, but she's just like simpering the whole time. She's just, she's so, she's just so off base. And I mean, Sharon Stone is also pretty terrible in this movie too. And then Incognito uh, came out, I guess it was supposed to be more of like a launching pad for Jason Patrick as like a thriller <laughs> star, but it came out the year after Speed 2, so his career was pretty much like dead and buried by that point. Uh, it's directed by... Uh, how could you um, have missed the pun, dead in the water? I know, I know. It is directed by, I want to say this is directed by John Badham, but I might be wrong on that. Uh, no, this is directed by John Badham, our man. Yeah. Hey! Yeah, yeah. But this is hilarious because Jason Patrick plays an art forger who, yeah, I guess he – so he really wants to be an artist, but he can't get his artwork shown anywhere. So he makes money by forging famous works of art so that art dealers can then sell them and pass them off as the original or whatever. And then he gets caught up in a murder scenario and everything. He's just running around. He is such a dick in this movie though. And he, but they play it like he's heroic. Like he, uh, the female lead and love interest is Irene uh, Jacob from uh, Double Life of Veronique. And she, he treats her so terribly and she keeps coming back for more in this. So it's definitely your like late nineties, like white male centered thriller. Um, I also turned this one off after about an hour. Cause honestly, you couldn't even finish it an hour in. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. It was so what boring. What happened to the Mark that demanded his friends stay through harsh times? I know. I know. Well, you know, harsh times is, is art though, you know, so <laughs> Um, honestly, this was just such a boring, like, Euro, like, American, vaguely Euro thriller. I don't know. I just, like, I fell asleep, and then I was, like, when I thought about going back to it, I just couldn't work up the energy, so. All right, so moving on to the new stuff. This is when Mark's going to take over, give us the synopses. Go, Mark, go! All right, let's do it, let's do it. New movies. Uh, we've got El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie. So if you, you know, watch it on Netflix and you need really need to physically own a copy, uh, come on well, down. Well, they added tons of special features on on this including a commentary which according to the back of the box has like 32 participants oh man well they also released a limited edition steelbook uh, edition of this which goes for 5695 uh and we've already sold a couple of these so people really love their breaking bad stuff man <laughs> i like watching breaking bad a lot don't own it on blu-ray so it feels weird to buy this movie, but I watched it when it came out on Netflix and very much enjoyed okay, it. Okay, it's good. Yeah, I actually still haven't seen this, even though I did love Breaking Bad when it was on, and I love Jesse, so I, I definitely want to catch up with this at some Wait, point. Wait, you haven't seen it and you watched all of Breaking Bad? I did, yeah. But I haven't. Oh, man, you gotta kinda, check this out. I know. I binged Breaking Bad, like, right as it was kind of finishing up, just to, like, you know, we I watched it all in, like, a month, and it was great, but then I just never, like, I haven't watched Better Call Saul, I haven't watched this, so I haven't. Oh, I watched the first season of Better Call Saul, and I loved it. Weirdly, I didn't get into the second season. I don't like prequels. Like, I just don't like them. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. It's like, I liked Saul as he was on Breaking Bad, and I was like, ah, do I need to see, like, what's five seasons now of, like, his story? I don't know. Like, if you do a prequel, you better diverge from, like, what happens, like tell your own story that's all i want so moving on to, uh sticking with tv though we've got the american west which is a 2016 miniseries that amc aired i believe this is produced by robert redford and it's like a half documentary half dramatic reenactment thing of famous 
characters from the American West. So if you like that History Channel kind of vibe, I guess this is up your alley. Uh, similarly, Grant is coming out too. It's a 2020 miniseries about Ulysses S. Grant, which is a History Channel thing. Executive produced by Leonardo DiCaprio splashed all over the cover. So I guess that's what they're hoping is going to sell it. But uh don't really have anything else to say about that one. This one I know you've probably seen. The Doorman from Lionsgate. This is the new Ryuchi Kitamura. Because it's directed yeah. from my man, Yue Kitamura, the director of Versus. And it is real bad. Woo, boy. And I've heard uh, through the grapevine that he's disowned this film, essentially. And uh, he said, I don't know why I work with films with so many producers on them. Looking at the credits, this film... No joke, has 25 producers. <laughs> and you can tell. You that doesn't can even sound tell. like that much anymore. When I watch all these VOD movies these these uh, these days, they all have like at least 15 producers on them. It just keeps going and going. I don't understand this movie like The Doorman. It's not really about a doorman. So like when you hear the premise, you think it'll be about Ruby Rose, who stars in this movie, like works at a hotel people like break in or like an apartment building and she knows the apartment and she'll be able to use it against them to fight them off. Nope. That's not what happens. She's just there on her first day. Then they break in because she's visiting her family. So her being a doorman has nothing to do with the script, with the plot. So yeah. And the action's not very good. It's just really overcut and all over the place. It's one of those movies that spends an endless amount of time with the bad guy played by Jean Renault. And you're like, who cares? Like, there's no suspense here. She's saddled with two kid sidekicks throughout the entire, like, you know, plot of the movie. Just every possible bad decision to make it half-assed is made in this film. Boo. Yeah, it kind of has that look of those, like, bad Luc Besson kind of, like, productions that come out these days. Uh, but yeah, moving on. I'm sure you've probably seen this one too. New Scott Adkins joint on our shelf. Seized. Oh yeah, this is also an Isaac Florentine joint. I don't see all the New Scott Adkins film. There's some that I don't see. Like the other one, like the, the one that came out before where it was like a spy. Right. Uh, I didn't see. I can't even remember. Acts of Violence or something like that or Edge of something. God, yeah. He makes so many movies. But this yeah. one, it's Isaac Florentine. And ooh, I heard some like middling st- stuff going up to it. So I was getting ready. I think I watched The Doorman first, and I was like, oh, this is terrible. Hope Seasons isn't as bad. No, it's a really compact, you know, simple premise, which is Scott Atkins. He's a family single father, and his uh, son gets kidnapped uh, by Mario Van Peebles. And then Mario Van Peebles, like, forces him to, like, go on hits uh, throughout, like, one day. Fun premise. And what really makes this movie, and I'm not even kidding, Mario Van Peebles, hasn't been this this charismatic in decades. He's essentially the co-lead of this movie. He's set up as the bad guy, but then halfway through, it's like, oh, he's not really the bad guy. There's someone badder than him, which is really fun, but it creates a problem where there's no one for them to fight at the end. Like, no main, like, big bad guy for them to take on. So essentially, like, at the end, Scott Atkins just fights a dude in a garage. (laughs) Like, some random guy in, like, a tiny little garage, and there's no big climax. That's the film's big issue. But for any fan of Scott Atkins or Isaac Florentine, this is a must-watch. You'll very much enjoy yourself. Uh, Up next, we got some... Animated DC stuff, Batman, <laughs> Batman, Death, <laughs> Death in the, in the family. family. You know anything oh, about God. this one? An adaptation of a famous Batman run. I don't watch these animated movies. You still get them in. Do people rent or buy well, these? Well, we don't rent these because they don't really rent for us, but we sell them. 
and they sell. Like, they don't sell like crazy, but we'll sell a handful of these, enough to there's keep bringing so them in. There's so many that come out now. There's like two a month, it seems. And they're so cheap. They're so poorly animated. They're like one step above like motion comics. I remember when DC started making animated movies and I would get so excited. It's like, oh man, they're, you're treating this right. And now it's just like, like they just, you know, pop them out. Like, it's actually animated cartoons that's the production values that they have of like you know weekly shows uh, and then coming up next yeah so oh it's canada time because random acts of violence jay baruchel's new directorial effort did you see this one i did not see this one i don't know i heard kind of me- mediocre things Same about thing. this yeah i don't know jay baruchel so he hasn't is this his directorial debut nope is he directed no. goon 2 don't forget right he directed goon 2 which i did not see oh I, I did uh, leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really care for the first goon, so I don't know. You were more of a hit somebody kind of guy. You were like, how could Kevin Smith betray Sean William Scott, who promised to star in the Kevin Smith <laughs> know, hockey right? film, hit somebody? How dare. How dare he. But yeah, this one, I don't know. I mean, I like Jay Baruchel as like a personality. He seems cool. Um, yeah, seems like a cool guy. He's like some of my tweets. Bonus to him. <laughs> I hear it's very mean-spirited, which keeps me yeah, alive. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, more Canadian horror coming up with uh, Necropolis Legion coming out from Full Moon, actually. This is directed by Chris Alexander, who I guess is well-known as the former editor of Fangoria? Or Yeah, former editor of Fangoria. He works at Full Moon now. He edits their magazine. Why can't I remember the title? I have like a dozen of them. It's like Demonoid. No, that's not it. Something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it starts with a D. (laughs) And uh, this is part of, I don't remember what it ended up being called, but like Full Moon did like, we're going to like, you know, put out eight films and we're going to shoot in eight weeks and we're going to like show the making of the films online. I think a lot of that stuff fell through. I think they only made like two or three of them overall. This is one of them. And it's in uh, the style of most of Chris Alexander's movies. So very slow, lethargic, not much happens. He's trying to make like a Jean Relain type film. Like he always does. (laughs) It's only an hour long and it's on DVD. It's super cheap. If you're curious, there's a few special features. And it's not really a sequel to Necropolis, which is an infamous uh, full moon release from a porn director, Tim Kincaid, uh, which is most famous for having a woman, which she has like monster breasts. That's essentially what it's famous for. And uh, why did you get Necropolis and you didn't get Ouija's, the one I'm really looking forward to, part of that run? Well, well, Ouija's got pushed back. So Ouija's was delayed until October 27th. So, you know, hold hold on to your butts. We'll be getting that in soon. <laughs> I know you need your Ouija's. I need my Ouija's. Which I hear it's fun. Yeah, no, I'm intrigued. Even though those monsters look like shit. They're like the worst design <laughs> monsters you can get. <laughs> Uh, well, moving on to some more serious kind of horror, more cerebral horror. We got The World is Full of Secrets coming out from Kino. Uh, I haven't seen this one yet, but I'm really intrigued. It's directed by a guy named Graham Kwan, I believe, who uh, is a producer on a lot of kind of like indie stuff coming out of New York right now, sort of like post-mumblecore type stuff. And this is (laughs) apparently... Post-mumblecore? What does that even mean? (laughs) Post-mumblecore, right? That's what I'm calling it. It's I, I call it that like... A little more higher quality production than Mumblecore, you know. It's almost like the Alex Ross Perry stuff to me a little bit, but like his newer okay, stuff. Well, I, I love Alex. I think Ross I just Perry. made that up, but whatever. This uh, 
but this movie uh, apparently is pretty esoteric. It's about like young young girls reading horror stories to each other. And it's very apparently it's super cerebral. But get some really interesting reviews though. So if you want something a little more heady and kind of like slow burn creepy this Halloween, uh, it might be a good option for that. Ooh man, have you sold a copy to me, Mark? This is really what this podcast is about. Sometimes Mark will talk something up, and I'll be like, "Ooh, you've got my attention!" Like the blue eyes, which you talked about last week. Did I pick it up? Of course I did. Man, it feels like a David Dakota film. And did you watch it? I yeah. did. And you said it last week that it's got like a camp feel, and it definitely does. It totally does. I think it's pretty self-aware. Like I can see people watching it and not, or and thinking it's just bad. But I feel like there's a self-awareness there that. Um, that really resonate. And yeah, it's got like... Is there... It, it almost feels like someone directing in a language that's not 100% familiar to them. Or like I said, the David Dakota kind of like, where did they get their cameras? These are cameras that are like, that shoot pornos. <laughs> I know, They're like right? Cheap digital but there is look. some like beautiful scenery in it, though, too. And I guess it's mostly just the locations they shoot at. But definitely feels like a documentary, and it's like telling a story that you've never seen in any other. Horror I know, film right? And I love as well, where it ends up, too. I, I love the ending. I just, I just, yeah, I really liked it. Um, World is full of secrets. I have not seen, so I can't give you a personal recommendation on that. But you know, so so if you don't like it, don't don't come at don't come at me. Don't come at me. I have a rule that I don't come at people who recommend movies because they just want to spread love in the world. So, you know, I'm not angry at them. No, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> Liar. You come at me all the time. I come You're at like, you all the time. How dare you recommend something to me? How dare you make me watch Devin's Ghost, Justin? <laughs> yeah, I know. Actually, Devin's Ghost was a hella fun time. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> not a pastry video. Not though. a pastry video. Long out of print, that DVD, unfortunately. I think for like 10 bucks on Amazon, I think. I think you grabbed a pretty, like the last reasonably priced DVD though. Cause I remember checking after you had bought that and posted them like, Oh, I got to grab myself a copy of that. I couldn't find one that was reasonably priced, but. So uh listener, keep your eyes peeled for Devin's ghost. Yeah. That's <laughs> the tale of the bloody boy or something. Is this yeah, tale of the bloody boy. Yeah. Which is, if you don't know, a, uh, a really cheap 2000s horror movie made by Johnny Young Bosch from Power Rangers and starring a bunch of Power Rangers. Well, it's, it all all made by Power Rangers people. It's their production company too. And they yeah. all play teenagers even though they're like way too old at this point. In like their mid-30s. Yeah. But they break out and have like great martial arts scenes here and there, which is a lot of fun. So yeah, no, my partner and I had a great time with that. Uh, but moving on to other fun, you know, campy stuff, maybe. I don't know. Attack of the Giant Teacher. Do you know about uh, this one? A little bit. I mean, this is part of that wave of, I, I don't remember if it's directed by the guy who did Killer Koala. It is not. It's a different guy. But no, I haven't seen this one. I hope it's yeah, good. I, I don't know. It's an SRS release. And yeah, it They've could be. really getting into the Japanese giant monster stuff. I wonder what their connection is. Yeah. I'm very curious. I don't know. It feels like it could be pretty cheap and maybe not so great. But I don't know. Fun cover on it, at least. Anytime I see a giant monster movie and there's like a guy on the cover, I'm like, eh. <laughs> because I want monsters fighting. Yeah, it's going to be a giant guy. <laughs> So we got a couple of documentaries coming up next. We got Bellingcat Truth in a Post-Truth World, which is about – as Bellingcat is like an open source investigative news site, um, which is allows for, you know, the public to investigate, you know, 
conspiracies that are being you know, covered up. Uh, sounds pretty interesting. Gotten some pretty great reviews. And then we've gotten House of Cardin, which is another fashion documentary because we can't have enough of those. Oh, my God. Every week there's a Every fashion week documentary. There's a fashion documentary. And then we've got The Acrobat, which is a Quebecois film, actually, from an interesting director named Rodrigue Jean, who made a really interesting movie called Lost Song about a decade or so ago. This is a gay romance that apparently veers into some pretty more dark and disturbing stuff super long it's like two hours and 15 minutes or so and it's supposed to be pretty explicit but uh pretty interest intriguing looking stuff so you know support canadian film i guess uh and then we've got one night only a uh chinese film which is being released by cheng cheng who is really ramping up the amount of releases they're putting out these days uh, it's kind of just like a romance, like a, you know, one night romance. I mean, maybe it got kind of that like before sunrise sort of vibe. Um, stars Aaron Kwok. Don't really know too much about it. Do you know much about this one? Oh, I'm frustrated. It looks like they didn't put any special features on this. It's a no, DVD only too. DVD only. Yeah. I don't know if maybe like their Blu-rays for their early titles weren't selling enough or something. Because I think their next couple that we've ordered are just DVD and pretty, pretty, uh, don't really have much on them. Uh, and well, then, speaking of DVD only, but still going all out, yeah. The Wolf House, a.k.a. La Casa Lobo. Yeah, this movie is fantastic. Did you watch this one? I didn't get a chance yet, but I've read about it. And I everyone that I've uh, read says it's amazing. Yeah. As a, like an abstract kind of horror um, stop yeah. motion movie. Well, it's got a really interesting story behind it. Yeah, it's a really handmade stop motion movie from Chile, which took the creators a lot, many years to make because it is super handcrafted. It definitely remind it's reminiscent of David Lynch's early short films, uh, like The Grandmother and stuff, where there's a lot of like paper mache kind of claymation. And the whole movie, I mean, it's only about an hour and... 20 minutes it's not too long but oh man each frame of this movie is like painstakingly made it's almost kind of done in a way where it feels like this one take sort of thing obviously it's not because it's animated but they've done it like that and it's uh, about a young girl who is living in a colony in Chile and she uh, is kind of she gets in trouble so she runs into the woods and she finds this house in the woods and she decides to live there and raise these children who are wolves, but she's also being, like, stalked by a wolf. It's very dreamlike and everything, uh, but it actually has its roots uh, based in history because there was an actual uh, a cult in Chile uh, after World War II called the Colonia Dignidad, which they made – I think they made a movie about a few years ago with uh, Emma Watson called Colonia, but it was basically run by um, – Nazis who had fled Germany and basically set up a cult in Chile and there it was rampant with child abuse child sex abuse so I think a lot of the dark there's a lot of that darkness they don't explicitly make this movie about child abuse or anything but that darkness comes out thematically and it's clearly related to that um, so it is really really cool it's dark it's disturbing it's weird it's just like uh, incredible to look at it really will pop your eyeballs out of your skull i love this movie it's fantastic and it is like you like justin said full of special features it's got short films that the directors made beforehand uh probably a lot of other stuff that i'm forgetting yeah it comes with a booklet i think there's an interview with the director why no blu-ray kim Stim? i don't know why they didn't do a blu-ray kim Stim sometimes does blu-rays i think they did for an elephant sitting still recently but i don't know for this one they just decided not to i mean i, I think the dvd still probably looks pretty good but yeah, it would have been nice to get a Blu-ray of this, but yeah, such is life, eh? Such is life. <laughs> such is life. 
Moving on, The Dog Doc. This movie sounds depressing. Uh, so this is about a doctor who, like, holistically treats dogs, I think. Yeah, apparently he's considered kind of a whack, but I think they go into that. Um, it's from the director of Buck, which was a really, really popular documentary about a horse trainer or something about a decade ago. Uh, yeah, so there's that for all you dog. Lo- there's a lot of dog documentaries that come out, too, I feel. But so here's another one. But the real animal uh, enthusiasts out there will want to uh, <laughs> will want to run in here for Cats and Dogs Three: Paws Unite, which is hitting our shelves this week. This is not getting a theatrical release. I think they skipped theatrical. <laughs> the second one did come out to theaters, right? Like that was a yes, theatrical. Yes, I believe yeah. it did. Yeah. Uh, isn't it the re- the Revenge of Pussy? Yes, Galore or that's something what like it that? is. Right. Um, I don't understand why they keep making these movies, but and they're so like they're like a decade removed from each other, Cha-ching! right? I guess they're making money. I guess like, they make the only... money off these films still, but uh, I don't know. It's the cover looks crazy. There's a lot of animals, a lot of gadgets. They're like wearing headsets and stuff. They're flying around. I I don't know what's going on here, but you know, if you like cats and or dogs, I'm sure you'll get a kick out of this movie. And we also have finally critical thinking, the John Leguizamo uh, starring and directing debut. Well, not a starring debut. Come on now, <laughs> but his direct- directorial debut. And whoa, whoa, whoa! It's this week's blind bond. Hey, we didn't actually. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, we didn't drop any uh, any hints towards this 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 week. Oh no, I, I gave up with that after last week. <laughs> we'll we'll be doing a critical thinking a little bit later yeah, on. Yeah, right. You know what? This title reminds me. This title just always makes me think of Truth or Dare, a, a critical, critical madness. madness. For some reason, I just keeps thinking critical madness. madness. So we picked critical this. I think Mark thinking. suggested it because I'm a Leguizamo head. I love John Leguizamo. Yeah, I especially love this like older dramatic John Leguizamo that we're getting now and then I know which is definitely this film so actually I thought this was a directorial debut but he has directed a film before uh, a feature he directed, film really yeah well he directed an HBO movie in the no, 2000s no, <laughs> uh, okay well he directed you know a TV movie in the uh, undefeated uh, but this is I guess his feature or theatrical even though it just probably went to vod yeah i think it played south by southwest earlier this year but uh yeah it is pretty much your tried and true like um inner city kids inspirational story it is based on a true story about uh miami jackson high school uh which is basically kind of like an inner city in miami and four or five students i believe um basically became chess champions they won states they won nationals and uh basically they were able to like um, get out of their poverty stricken um environment and through the power of chess and through the power of john leguizamo's you know affable (laughs) inspiring teacher i actually enjoyed this immensely way more than i thought i was going to wow okay because i wasn't so i wasn't so hot on this i have to say but this had real um the screenwriter a guide to recognizing your saints energy it did it was written by mr dito montiel who is like the hardest working man in hollywood these days and i thought that like the chess thing was interesting because it is as they say in the film like a great equalizer it doesn't matter where you're from you know you sit down you play chess it's not like hockey you need all this equipment you need to be able to train essentially anyone can play chess 
And that was really interesting to me. And they do get into the nitty gritty of chess whole scenes, explaining moves and stuff like that. They do. Did did you understand much of the chess explanations? Oh, no, I don't, know, I, I don't know how to play chess. It has been explained to me many years ago, and I don't remember what all the pawns and uh, knights and castles do or how they move. I was in a chess club when I was in like grade four, I think, and then uh, I didn't continue. But I, I did play chess for a while and had fun with it. And yeah, th- this is... I mean, it definitely... Wait, do you like sports movies? It's inspiring. I do, yeah. And I do like the inspirational sports movie. And this follows a lot of the same beats of that. So I can't say I, I didn't dislike it because it definitely does inspire you. You know, it has that that rousing kind of spirit. I just felt it hit... It was just too on the nose about hitting those beats that you've seen like a hundred times before. I, I'm not sure I Never bought a chess all the movie. dialogue and all this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I just, uh, I don't know. It, it was long, you know, it was two full hours and I'm not sure it needed to be two full hours. I, I feel like some of the subplots are just kind of a, a bit cliched and thrown in there just to like add a bit of extra drama. Like the whole like one student, you know, ends up, you know, getting into drug dealing a little bit because I feel like that's just like an easy plot line to kind of throw in there. I don't know how factual that was. I mean, I found there were some shocking moments in it, like when that student who... Yeah, uh, uh, 15 minutes in, uh, someone who you think is a main character gets killed. Yeah, there's this new student that comes into the class. You're like, oh, okay, I guess this is going to be sort of the character we're like... Because all the ki- all the kids in the film, it's not like they are being taught. It's not like John Leguizamo teaches them chess. Like they already know chess. They've already been in this class for a while. So this new student arrives. You're like, okay, this is our entry point into this class. And then he gets shot in the head like 15 minutes into the movie. And then he's just like never really spoken of again. <laughs> that was kind of a weird choice. It was kind of just done to like provide some, you know, emotional uh, an emotional scene for John Leguizamo to kind of reflect on his own personal trauma, which comes up later in the film. Uh, I just like John Leguizamo in this movie. I like all the kids. It hits those beats. I like chess. I like to watch people play chess. Uh, even though that I don't play myself. I don't like strategy games. That's not something that I li- I don't like playing them. I don't like playing games that halfway through you realize you're going to lose the game and you have to keep playing. <laughs> okay. Like, that's why people don't like playing board games with me, because halfway through, like, Monopoly, I will not play Monopoly. Oh, do you get mad when you start to, like, feel like you're going to lose? I don't get mad. (laughs) I get frustrated, and I'm like, I don't want to play anymore. Like, I'm not angry at the person. Like, Monopoly was a game that was designed to frustrate the players and to prove that capitalism does not work. Did you ever read the history of Monopoly? I did not. That's how Monopoly was created. (laughs) Okay, okay. Uh, so I will remind myself not to play strategy games or board games with you going forward. <laughs> I'll just be like, I don't want to play. You always want to play. So. Okay. I mean, yeah, the chess stuff is pretty, pretty. But you like watching chess? So that was more thrilling I like to watching you? sports movies. Like, I don't like watching sports. Right. But I like watching sports movies because of the, like, the, the dramatic stakes that are engineered within the thing. Especially if it's underdog sports movies, which are, like, all sports movies pretty much. So. No, I understand that. Like, I can't stand, like, football or, like, baseball or a lot of sports, but I'll totally watch an inspirational movie based on that. Oh, love it. Yeah. Yep. I think this one, yeah, I think John Leguizamo is definitely the strongest part. I just maybe wish his directorial well it's basically like television direction it looks like he set up three cameras and he just filmed. yeah i don't think he really did much right i feel like it's very basic kind of tv style directing and i kind of wish he brought a little more to it but i mean i wonder if this was originally meant to be a dino joint and then 
John Leguizamo came in and said, like, I want to direct. It's possible. Uh, I mean, because Dito Montiel directs a ton of movies. Like, he doesn't really stop. He's, you know, we were looking through his filmography last week when we were picking this. And, like, he's been directing movies, like, right up until this year. So maybe you're right. Maybe he initially was going to do it and then couldn't for some reason. Maybe he had to back out. Because it definitely does feel cut from the same cloth as his, as many of his films. It even feels like the same um, style as his films. Like, that kind of, like, off the cuff. I think that probably the one thing, it doesn't have any, like, big, dramatic moments other than that one like whoa psycho like killing of like who you think is going to be the main character which, yeah which is just like over and done with so fast you don't really get like much time to reflect on it um i also felt maybe there was wasn't as much tension in it as i thought there was only because i think you you kind of know they're maybe i don't know how i knew but i feel like i knew they were gonna kind of win at the so end i was a little bit confused at the end i didn't even know it was the final chess match and then it was done i was like oh i guess that's the last one they won yeah it's a little confusingly done and i feel like there's not anytime they like hit sort of a roadblock like where they need to raise money or something to like travel i feel like it's cleared up really fast like there's not a lot of like real challenges they have to face beyond just kind of like your cliched movie scripted kind of challenges but i mean clearly it's you know they have the real people at the end talking about their experiences during the end credits and clearly this means a lot to them and clearly it's like it's it is an inspirational story and you can't take that away from them and i think john leguizamo definitely knows the feel of this kind of story i know why mark wouldn't have liked this because he would have been one of those preppy kids sitting across the table i would have i totally would have yeah (laughs) like a polo shirt yeah I can't, I know, I can't understand, I can't understand the struggle. This inner city so. youth. <laughs> Do you still play chess? Not, no, I, I played chess in like grade four chess club and then I never actually like played competitively or anything. I just like played when I was a kid because I thought it was fun. I had a chess board at, sc- at home and there was like a chess club at my school. So it was and my, a bunch of my friends were doing it. So yeah. <laughs> if all your friends would jump off a bridge, would you jump so off? I, I was pure. Pre- yeah, I was peer pressured into joining the chess club. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I was never like, again, a strategy. Pro- like I didn't like Starcraft, Warcraft, Civilization or all the other games my friends would play. I was never into that either. I don't know. I don't know why chess spoke to me a little more. I mean, I really liked checkers as a kid. And then I think I, oh, I really like chess was just kind of well like, kid. I guess I just progressed to chess. But you know what? I never play chess nowadays. So I feel like if I try to play chess now it would i'd be rusty like i wouldn't i'd have to reread like all the different moves you could make and everything i like the games that are fast and quick and then you can just do another one right away i yeah, again, like snakes and my ladders issue are the games that stretch on forever and you're like i'm losing this game and i have to keep playing <laughs> those are the ones that like really drive me nuts i agree with you yeah i never liked monopoly either i always thought it was really boring so if people would ask me Hey, I want to rent Critical Thinking, and I was like, "Well, that's a fine, you know, sports movie. Like, it's not going to disappoint you. It's not the campiness I thought it was." Yeah, gonna I be. think you and I, when we were choosing this, thought it was going to be funnier and campier than like it was. Like Hallmarky, yeah, like really overly sentimental and everything. And it's not necessarily. It just kind of, for me, it weighs in that like middle ground where it like is, but not too much. And it's trying to be kind of like realistic and gritty, but it's also not like totally authentic either because it does feel like a movie movie so for me it kind of fits in that middle ground but i would say it's something like i wouldn't 
dissuade somebody from watching it because it's nay definitely a crowd yay, pleaser. Mark. It sounds like you're going nay. I'll, I'll say it for you. Nay. I'm nay. Prob- All right. If I have to pick nay or yay, I'm going nay. Sorry. It just, it didn't do enough nay. for me. Nay from Mark. Yay from Justin. All right. We split, split the vote on this one. <laughs> I mean, that's all we can do. We can either agree or split the vote. <laughs> it's, it's like a minor nay for me. It's like almost a yay, but, but kind almost of a nay. A yay, yeah. but- not quite. I mean, I'm a big Leguizamo head, so... Me too. I, I love just, my man Leguizamo. Yeah. This is his second appearance in the blind buy section. After Empire, which, ooh, nay, nay, nay. I will say it's better than Empire. Oh, I mean, everything's it was much better than Empire. Be- it's much better than Empire. So, until <laughs> next week, my name is Justin the Clue. And I'm Mark Hanson. Keep on buying. Video, it's what you want to watch. Draw Leguizamo films. These <laughs> movies and many more are available at your local video store.